0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Sober's Dope Podcast. My name is Pop Buchanan. This is my first episode and I have to be honest, it's not scripted and I want to come to you guys from the heart. Um, Soba's Dope is a concept for me that hits home because... Before I got sober, um, I just always felt like I needed to get drunk to be cool, or I needed to get drunk to be accepted, or I needed to get drunk to have fun. I I always used to, as a young guy in the back of my mind, try to understand, well, how am I going to be cool, or how am I going to be accepted if I'm not drunk or smoking or doing what's popular you know how can I relate to people how do I break the ice and I think so many people get caught up in the false identity of intoxication I mean I think when you know the power I think there's a certain level of power in being intoxicated being free people feel like they could detach from the world, they could detach from their problems. And um, for me drinking kind of gave me a, a split personality. There was it was extremely night and day. And in retrospect, I was always unhappy. I was the life of the party, but I was always lonely. I was always the most energetic and hype person, but I was sad. Um I bottled up all my emotions. I never really, you know, I always put on a smile. I always took the licks. And I think in the latter years, towards the tail end of my alcoholic blitz um, that that shield, the artificial shield I put up just no longer... Worked. I just fell apart. I started to feel like shit all the time. I started to look like shit all the time. I lost all my self-respect. People around me started taking me for granted. It got to a point where my family and friends was like, we never thought you, we we thought you were so far gone. You know, it was almost no redemption. The idea of me being redemptive was just a foreign idea. Um, And it was sad. And so why I coined the phrase sober is dope Is because everything I thought I couldn't have through sobriety I now have through sobriety So what does that mean? I'm happier, I'm stronger, I'm faster uh, I'm, I slow down a lot I'm not as animated or as, you know I mean... I'm faster as far as strength, but it's sheer excitement and electricity. I'm a little bit more tamed, but I think that comes with age. But I think I'm a lot cooler and I think I'm dope. I was dope when I was drinking, but I'm doper now that I'm sober. And this podcast for me um, is just me connecting. I think when, when you know, back in I, my sober date is... December fifteenth, two 2012 That's my sober date And life before that date was a dark blur I mean, I started drinking probably around I really started drinking around 1996, 1997 My first year of college was in 1997 At the State University of Farmingdale And thinking back, you know I was never a drinker. I used to smoke weed. You know, me and my boys used to smoke weed on the block. We used to talk about metaphysics and get deep. You know, my girlfriend at the time, you know, we was all into health, exercise, hip hop and just like smoking weed and conspiracy theories and all of that cool stuff. Aliens, extraterrestrials. We was into all of that. Um, so I think like I'm not, I don't promote smoking weed either. Um, but I would say as a young kid, you know, I was like a hippie. I was a cool hippie with a lot of energy. But somehow when I went to college, a lot of things shifted. Um, I don't know, man. I, You know, I think a lot of my intoxication was surrounded around around heartbreak. I think it was in college, you know, my my girlfriend, the love of my life, cheated on me. And that took me and I'm not blaming her. I would never blame her. I love her. And it wasn't her fault. The thing is, it was a a high degree of arrested development for me Um, because I went from Brooklyn being this, you know, kid who was in high school. Shout out to my high school, Bishop Lachlan, one of the greatest schools ever. Um, I'm very thankful for my high school and I'm very thankful for my college, State University of Farmingdale in New York. I love those guys. Um, And uh, I wouldn't be the man I was today without my education and uh, I promote education. But going back to my girlfriend and my first breakup, um, college gave me a freedom I never knew. Like it was beyond it was like they put 2000 kids from the tri-state. In a dormitory that was co-ed With minimum supervision in the late 90s We literally had a blast, it was pandemonium But for me, I never really knew back then And it took me 20 plus years later to realize That I always had an allergy to alcohol So being an alcoholic is not like some curse or... A major affliction It's more of a disease It's like some people could drink and stop And go on with their lives And some people can't So me not knowing then Around my first heartbreak I kind of internalized everything And the environment just was a college environment It was a lot of alcohol A lot of drugs And we was having a lot of fun But for me When the party stopped I was one of the people that just didn't stop partying I kept drinking and that kind of followed me throughout my life So I be I went from being kind of like the metaphysical Kind of super energetic karate kid With a lot of intelligence and good energy Church going and cool To kind of like the super wild energetic crazy pop You can and kind of like young kid I was always a good kid But I just like alcohol turned me up 10,000 So with that being said, um, I think that was the early origins of my drinking. And I think from there, the arrested development kicked in. Like, I went, f- I never really developed from the kid that went to college. I just, once I started drinking, I was just locked in as a 16, 17 year old that handled his emotions and shit through drinking. And I started just hiding a lot of issues. I didn't realize back then that I needed to really deal with the death of my father so I had bereavement issues which we'll talk about in further episodes but bereavement issues was really important because you know I that was my my father was my best friend my hero my everything my knight in shining armor then he died and it literally blew our mind like the concept of a god dying in front of us Was crazy. And as kids, that was like our dad was like our God, period. Like, this guy was amazing. And when he fell in that living room and died, I literally died. And we all did, I think, in my family. And if if it wasn't for our mother, um, the love of Jesus Christ, because at that time, jesus christ got us through i would say without jesus and religion and the concept of god and uh, afterlife and heaven and mercy and forgiveness and the resurrection i don't think we would have been able to deal with the fact that our hero died so because so we had church we had the foundation we had all of these good things and we had a beautiful mother um we were able to kind of put that in this perspective But as a young man I look a lot like my father now I have his middle name, Joseph Raymond Buchanan And dad, wherever you at Rest in peace, I love you dad And um, I'm still sad I love, you know, you love is deep And You know, drinking for me was about A lot of passion and love And it was a lot of things But the problem is Alcohol and drugs are insidious Every time you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to escape these problems, it just buries it, and it buries it, and it becomes compounded, and one day you got to pay up all of these emotions you have to pay up, and all of this grief, and in the pain you cause others start to take its toll, you know, so I went from being a really good kid to being sometimes really dark, I, I mean... I feel bad for how I treated my ex-girlfriends On multiple occasions There's a lot of times I hurt my friends When I was in my drunken rage or stupor um, So I have a lot of good memories Drinking and wilding and stuff And But you know what I can't remember 90% of them Because I was drunk So it was no quality of life And alcohol robs people And my sober sober's dope movement Is your sobers is dope movement This is for the kids who's out there Opiate addiction um, Heroin addiction Some of my greatest young friends in the world are On heroin And I'm saying to myself Damn alcohol was the hardest thing for me To ever beat and kick And then I have friends that's younger than me Females and males That's on heroin that's struggling And it breaks my heart Because I'm like damn this this fight is bigger than me And, you know, I'm just, like, going through life now really just relaxed and... Free of the affliction and the demonic grip that alcohol had on me. And I don't have no urge to go to AA meetings no more. I don't need, I I don't wake up feeling like I wish I had a drink. Nothing against AA. We'll attack AA later. I would not be here today if it wasn't for Alcoholic Anonymous. If it wasn't for outpatient therapy. If it wasn't for the support of my family and friends. I couldn't sit here and have this podcast and act like sobriety was all me. Okay. the one thing I would say about sobriety, guys, is that you have to be tired and willing to stop the negative pattern and you have to be really open to a change in life. And nothing would have helped me if I didn't have that vital spiritual experience. And in AA, they talk about a vital spiritual experience. So the concept is, you know, we hit rock bottom. And then when you have nowhere else to go You have no more money, no more friends, no more family Everybody's tired of you You're sick and tired of being sick and tired Somehow you find some spiritual revival Or vital experience, spiritual experience Something that's spiritually related or motivated To help you make that transition And usually with the right vital spiritual experience Or a strong one That transition can for most people be a permanent one for me, I had an amazing, vital spiritual experience, but I want to get back to that later, um, because the because that that's an important point of how I got sober, how I decided that point. Actually, let's do it now, because this being my first episode, I don't want to jump around too much, you know. Um, the day I got sober, that day on December fifteenth, two thousand and twelve, it was a magical day, guys. It was a magical day. I literally lost everything in my life. I lost a one point five million dollar home in Fort Greene, Brooklyn, that I loved. I lost a beautiful job being a real estate investor and property manager that I loved. My relationship with my mother, who is my hair, my hero and my beauty, and a and a living goddess that I love so much, I lost that. Um, I was almost going to lose my current girlfriend at the time Who I'm still with and I love her Um, I lost some of my closest friends They just got so tired They just was like I can't deal with popping his bullshit no more I lost everything man I mean rock bottom was just like such a wake up call I mean it got to a point where I was pretty much about to start walking the streets and panhandling And you're talking about a kid who in 2005 was making close to $25,000 a month doing real estate. I got this new building, a three-bedroom, a three-family building, brownstone in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. I was running real estate and properties. I had all my clients. I had a beautiful girlfriend. My whole life was going was going in the right direction I graduated from college I left for a job at Geico Direct And um, being a, an insurance a Customer service specialist An underwriter And then I went into real estate And then one thing led to another And you know after graduating college In 2003 By 2005 I ran into this real estate fortune And I was doing well And I just think having all of that money at such a young age, coming from a music background, I just was just and then just, you know, you guys already heard my college story. So the alcoholism was there. Um, And I just think I just literally just went off the deep end. I had a lot of money and I just was like I wasn't happy. I'm not sure if having a duplex brownstone at the age of 25 and all of that money. And all of that freedom again, this freedom from college to now I'm just running through life just tearing it down, tearing it down. Just had a lot of freedom, man, and I just with with uh my addiction going unchecked and me just thinking I was the king of the hill. I just, just it just spiraled out of control. And eventually I lost the the second girl. Now the first girl was in college, you know. Then, you know, in college I found another girl who was excellent and And when this girl had the courage, and I would say this guy, one thing about addiction, when your mates or your spouse or someone in your family or someone close to you have the courage to call you on your bullshit and say you go fuck yourself and get your shit together, you know, at the moment it may feel like the world is collapsing and everyone is abandoning abandoning you, but... When my girlfriend left me, I said to myself, I said, you go, girl, because I know that was the hardest thing for her to do because she loved me to death. And she but she had to love herself more to say, hell, no, I'm not going to deal with the abuse. I'm not going to deal because when you living with an alcoholic, it's abuse, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, financial, um, mental. It's all abuse, because if a person is suffering and you're in a close proximity, you're going to suffer also. So I commended her for leaving me. But that literally drew drove me to absolute insanity. Because I thought I had it all I thought huh, I'm untouchable How dare she leave me And and I'm the man And I got this building And it's all about me It's all about pop It's all about pop Um, and That was a wake up call for me But not enough to get sober From that point I went another I would say 2009 10 11 12 I went another 3 to 4 years on absolute alcoholic tear nothing with, I mean more this and I and I felt like I had some supernatural protection because I literally drank every day morning noon and night from 2009 to 2012 I lost all the weight, I totally, uh, I, 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 was full, I had a gray beard, gray hair, scars all over my body, f- you know, f- I was fighting, I, I was just a mess, man. I went from in 2005 having this brownstone and all this money to 2009 to 12 just on a tear. My place fell apart, it went into shambles, I was just a mess. I met a lot of good people during that time, and, um, and I'm still friends with all of those people, and I think my sobriety helped them, but I'm telling you guys all of this to say that no part of this story, it just sounds tragic, don't it guys, think about it, it sounds tragic. You hear these little micro sparks of brilliance Like, oh man, he graduated college Oh, he went to college, okay But then he drank and lost a girlfriend and lost his mind But somehow he graduated college Then he gets his good job And then he winds up getting into real estate and making all this money But then he loses the next girl And then he goes into all these dark patterns And you know what, guys? None of the negatives would have been there if I just addressed my drinking If I understood I had a disease If I understood the power of alcohol If I understood the power of drugs If I didn't feel like I wasn't enough So was my drunkenness cool? Was my was my intoxication okay? Was I dope? No I was a mess And... Going back to that day when I was about to panhandle, when I totally hit rock bottom in 2012, I'm walking in Brownsville. At this point, I'm homeless. My girl is in where she's at. She's with her family out of state because she she wasn't a New York girl, but she met me in New York. And, you know, I love her. But she went with her family because I was unmanageable and she went to deal with herself. So I don't have my girlfriend, I can't call my mother, my brothers are not talking to me. Um all of the people that I helped throughout my life is just kind of distant. My one of my best friends was in jail. My other best friend, he had a bunch of kids and stuff and he would have helped me and he wanted to help me, but you know, I was totally unmanageable, you know what I mean? So I'm I'm walking through Brooklyn and I'm this kid with this education All of this spirituality All of this intelligence All of these beautiful family and friends My brother was a catholic priest My father was amazing My mother is a saint My little sisters and them is excellent My little brother is brilliant I have this beautiful family There's no excuse on the surface There's no reason why I should be intoxicated But I'm roaming in the middle of the street Homeless about to ask people for money For help Because I was in fact Rock at rock bottom And if it wasn't for my family My mother, the memory of my father My grandfather, my friends Everyone that ever loved me And all my education And all my spiritual sense I wouldn't have known what to do But for the first time in my life I literally said to myself The devil Has me I was absolutely captured I literally felt like For the first time in my life That I went from A 15 year old kid A 16 year old kid out of high school To a 31 to 32 year old male And I literally was In a state of Um I felt like I was kidnapped for 15 years I was just captured And I literally had nothing And I'm walking down the street And I ask somebody, excuse me And I was hungry For the first time in years I was hungry And I felt what it felt like to be homeless And I was tired And I was broke And I'm walking around with two college degrees and all this intelligence and resources, and I had nothing. No girl, no nothing. No one. No one would pick up my... I didn't even have a phone. (laughs) It's absolutely sad. I'm actually crying right now. I didn't even have a phone. Alcohol took every fucking thing away from me, man. And because I knew God and because I knew Jesus and because I understood life, I said something demonic or something evil something insidious is inside of me and has me captured and look guys this is not about pity or nothing but this is the real story man I got on my knees in the middle of the street and I said I said a prayer I said God I feel like the devil got me I know you I love you If you could help me in any way, I promise you I will go straight. If you could get me out of this, because I'm stuck. I have nowhere to go and I lost everything and I don't want to die. And literally, when I got up, there was a voice in my head. It wasn't no big mystical voice. It was just probably my gut brain or... You know, my higher self or something, or God, I believe it was God, said, get on the train and go to the hospital. Go to a Catholic hospital in Manhattan. I think I went to St. Luke's or St. Vincent. I can't remember. But I just, got, I just jumped the turnstile. I didn't care if the cops would b- bother me. No one bothered me. No one cared. It was a crowded day. It was, it was a crowded morning. It was like around 11 o'clock in the morning. I jumped the turnstile. I go to 14th Street. I find the closest Catholic hospital. I go into the hospital. I sit there, and I'm just shaking. I'm shaking. They make me sit there for hours. I don't have insurance. I don't have anything. I don't even have ID on me. I have nothing, literally I'm just literally a homeless guy that From New York that goes that walks off the street The only thing that helped me was that They was able to find me in the system Through, I guess, my public assistance card Through my social Because when I was younger, I think I was at this hospital I was in the system or something I'm, I don't know But literally, the lady said What are you here for? I said, I'm, I'm withdrawing from alcohol I need help, I don't feel good I feel like I'm going to die the hospital took my vitals, and literally, the nurse who was an angelic person literally had to call a state had to call me for emergency because she said this kid's about to have a heart attack. His he's absolutely gonna have a heart attack at any moment. He's totally unstable. Like he's shaking. He can't stop. I was going into shock. But you know how the hospital system is. They make you sit there and sit there, and literally. Before, so they have to try to get in touch with insurance in New York State to see if they could get you into a detox or a rehab. Because I had no idea. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker you'll find what you came for here and more so ask yourself what is it you want discover williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com so they they have to get you into this detox or rehab and i had no idea about the process or anything, I just know I needed help. But it it was about to close the clinic, the hospital section they you know, they was accepting people, they was calling people names, clearing the insurance, and I'm literally sitting there and I'm like I just burst into tears, man. I just because I never felt like I wanted to help so much, but there was a possibility I could be turned away because unfortunately, unless you're coming straight up into the emergency room, foaming from the mouth and pretty much about to die, you know, I visibly looked okay like they just said you know i was I, I i wasn't feeling well i had the shakes i i i could have had a heart attack but it wasn't enough for them to just you know bypass insurance i needed a miracle so it was about five thirty, and the whole um outpatient um rehab center is about to close and i i really have to go to the hospital and find this nurse This lady looks at me and she said, I can't do this. She said, you know, this is this is terrible. This kid is really, really needs help and looks like he really wants it. And she said, are you really serious? Like if like because a lot of people come in here and they just play games, like if I try to get you help, are you going to like do the right thing? And I said, I promise. So the nurse makes a phone call and, you know, about 10 to 15 minutes later this old black guy comes downstairs off the elevator he's wearing a cowboy hat he has on all of these gold and stuff this guy he's the man he looks like a very prominent distinguished person And the nurse is talking to him and she points to me and the guy comes over and say, Joseph, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, yes. He said, I said, who are you? He said, I'm I'm one of the directors of the hospital of the department. He said, kid, listen, I'm going to ask you this straight. If I could get you emergency clearance to go up and I could get you a bed. Are you going to are you willing to clean your life up? Are you going to go all the way? Are you going to take this seriously? Because if I do this, you have to be serious, kid. And I looked at him and I said, I promise with all my heart, I just need a second chance and I don't want to die. And I'll go all the way. That gentleman made one phone call and I had got my first my bed in on December 15th, 2012, um, Catholic Hospital in NYC. They they gave me medical clearance to go into the detox center, um, and that's the beginning of my story. That's the beginning of the sober's dope story. From that point on, I had a chance to go into an outpatient or inpatient. And um, I think my insurance um, Was willing to pay For outpatient So that means I would have to live in a shelter Or a three quarter house And then every day I would have to be drug tested And go into the outpatient clinic For the day then go back to the To the um sober house under a curfew and I want to end the podcast here because my journey of sobriety is gonna is a long one and I want to share all the steps and not everything in the first episode but ladies and gentlemen I really want to wrap with this I was given a second chance that day from that nurse and then from the director of that hospital and most importantly God God heard my prayer And I needed that vital spiritual experience and I needed a creative miracle because I was literally on my last leg. And I'm sitting here six years later, sober, fully restored in God, in country, in family, financially. I'm, you know, I'm living my passions. I'm doing my music again. I'm here sharing my story with you guys. And I'm living my best life I'm healthy I'm helping people with health now And Sober is dope And my stories for the last six years is nothing but good stories to tell There's no tragedies There's no death There's no scars There's no wars There's no loss of life Or loss of friends There's no sadness There's no broken friendships There's nothing So the Sober Dope podcast is here to shed light On the positive aspects of sobriety I think sometimes The su- subject of sobriety is boring They People make it boring People don't want to hear it It's like I don't want to hear that It's whack but I'm telling you Sober is dope, it's lit, it's the new wave It's the new way to go And if you out there struggling You can find me Pop Buchanan On Instagram at Pop Buchanan. That's P-O-P-B-U-C-H-A-N-A-N you can follow me at, at on Instagram at Monk Healing. That's M-O-N-K-H-E-A-L-I-N-G. That's Monk Healing. That's the page devoted to my sobriety. You go to pop You can find my music there, a little bit about my story. Um, and I love you guys. I want to end by saying God is love, God is real, God is redemptive. Um Fear is a liar. Don't be afraid. Don't let alcohol give you false courage and drugs give you false courage. The miracle's around the corner. You know, you don't always have to wait to be sick and tired to be sick and tired. You know, you could call someone like me up, go listen to your family, listen to your friends, and embrace your natural self. The way God made us naturally is enough. And ladies and gentlemen, you're enough. You're enough. you don't need no external stimulants, you don't need no drugs, you don't need no escape you know um, you know you are truly indeed enough. you are beautiful, you are worthy. And you are amazing. Thank you for joining me on my first episode. I'm doing this from my phone. I want to be able to connect you, connect with you guys without any bells and whistles. I just want to be able to pick up my phone and talk and tell my story and share content with you guys and give you hope that if I could get sober, anyone on the planet could get sober. Because if my alcoholism was if i was a mutant like in the x-men my alcoholism i would be professor xavier i was no joke with my my drinking shit was no joke i could drink for 24 hours for 365 days straight without collapsing man i'll sleep a lot but i i was a real deal and if i could come back from death To immortality I feel immortal now I feel like I'm never gonna die Because I kept my promise to God The one promise I made on that day When I asked God to rescue me Was that if you get me through this God I promise you I will never forsake you and drink again So for the rest of my life I have no desire to drink And I will never break my oath Um, And if, if I do That will be the death of me And I don't wanna die so, it's Pop You Can over and out. God bless you all, and I love you. Later.